All right, good evening. Good to see you guys here this evening. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we are coming to the end, and I think we've got about four sermons left, and we'll be finished with 1 Timothy, and we'll move in a different direction. Uh, and tonight, I, we've got a good one for you tonight. I, I think this will be the last one we'll talk about this subject in 1 Timothy. It's, I think, the fifth time he's talked about it, and probably the fifth sermon I've preached on this. And here at the end of verse 5, he makes a great statement. He says, if you look down at your Bibles, at the end of verse 5, he says, From such withdraw thyself. And that statement there means stay away from, don't get around it. Um, Or you could say, um, stay as far away as you possibly can. Uh, Avoid it like the plague. Avoid it like you would COVID. Stay as far away from something here as you possibly can. And I I love this statement. I want to say it to you tonight. I want to say it to my kids who are here tonight. I want to say it to anybody who would listen, that we must stay away from false teachers. This is a great passage for us. We need to hear this. There's not a lot of sermons being preached in our day warning people to stay away from false teachers. They're damning people to hell and shutting the door to heaven. Stay away, stay away, stay away from false teachers. So I'm going to read to you verses 3 through 5. We'll we'll focus all of our time there. I find it fascinating, maybe you don't, but verses 3 through 5 in the Greek is one big long sentence. Uh, so he, he's going to give us two, three verses and one sentence. This is good for preachers like me who say, I need to stay away from pre- being a false preacher. And it's good for people that listen to preaching, sitting in a pew, that you need to stay away from anybody who would teach you in a wrong way. So again, the title of the sermon, Stay Away from False Teachers. You're going to hear me say that a lot tonight. Stay away from false teachers. So let's stand together. We'll read these verses. I actually want to start at the end of verse 2 because I think that's where he begins At the end of verse 2, and we'll read through the verse 5, and it says at the end of verse 2, These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, then he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings. Perverse disputings of men with corrupt minds, and they are destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain, circle that word, gain, is godliness. From that type of person, from false teachers, withdraw yourselves or stay away from. Stay away from false teachers. Avoid them like the plague. They will destroy you spiritually. Stay away. So we're going to pray, and then we'll study this passage, and it'll be a great warning to us to don't go anywhere near any church that has a false teacher in it. Don't go anywhere near a Facebook sermon, even for a second or a click of any false teacher. So stay away from false teachers. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the warnings of your word. We need to see the danger of this, that false teachers are shutting the door to heaven and damning people to hell. They are destroying churches and destroying families and destroying uh, lives. And God, I pray that you'd help us to see that tonight. I want to have the right tone in this. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be hateful. But I do want to tell the truth. And I want to call out false teachers. And I want to warn our people, as a good shepherd would, sheep, avoid the wolves. They'll destroy you. They'll eat you alive. So God, help me to be that shepherd who will protect the flock tonight. God, use this word, this this verse here, to guard your church and your people. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You can be seated. I was reading a book this week, and I come across a quote by J. Oswald Sanders. He was a missionary, and he was an author. And I, the quote that he, he, he said in this book was really eye-opening to me, and I hope it'll be that to you. I'm going to read. It was a long quote. I, I had it printed out. I was going to read a whole full-page quote, but I, I dialed it down for you. But here's what he said. He said, the devil's overall strategy is to overthrow the kingdom of God. And this strategy is a strategy of destruction. And then he went down and gave how Satan works. And he said that his plan is to destroy the governments through anarchy. And I think we see that in our country today, that he is, Satan is working in our government through anarchy in, in our governmental system. So he says Satan is out to destroy our governments through anarchy. He's out to destroy our society through debauchery. And I think we're seeing that today. He's destroying our culture and our society with a, a moral field, uh, the likes we haven't, have never seen. The things that we are accepting and applauding and allowing today would be unthinkable 10, 20, 30, especially 50 years ago. So Satan is destroying our society through debauchery. And then he destroys the church, I said it this morning, through heresy. He doesn't destroy it. There's nothing on the outside of the church that can destroy the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The danger uh, in the, uh, for the church is inside the church. It's heresy. It's false teaching. It's, it's what comes up in through the pews and into the pulpit that can destroy the people in the pews. So I, I think uh, J. Oswald Sanders is right on the, all of those. He'll destroy the government through anarchy, the society through debauchery, and the church through heresy. And we can't control the government, we can't control society, but we need to be very careful with our church. We need to make sure that we don't allow any of these things to come into our lives. I believe it's happening, I believe it's right under our noses, I believe we don't even notice it. That some of the biggest, some of the most popular, some of the most well-known preachers in, in all of America are false teachers. Can I say that again? I, I think you need to hear this. Some of the biggest some of the most popular, some of the most well-known churches and ministries and pastors today are false teachers. I was, saw one on Facebook just yesterday. A video that was shared by somebody who shouldn't be sharing it. No, not anybody in here. But it was one of the most famous false teachers of our day. And that one video had over 71,000 shares and over 4 million views. False teachers today online will get the most likes, the most views, the most shares, and the most applause. They'll get the most people in the pews. They'll get the biggest followings. They'll get the, the, they'll be the most popular. If you had a, uh, uh, the Cofield last week had the, the, the contest of the most popular people, the most popular businesses in, in all of Wise County. And I thought, if they did churches, who would win? You know, you had the best coffee place and you had the best dog groomer and you had the best barbecue and what if they had the best church the most popular church in wise county who would win would it be the most faithful church in town or would it be a church full of false teachers the reality is today that the most popular are the false teachers and it's destroying churches, I've already said it. It's leading people to hell. It's shutting the door to heaven. And that's exactly what Paul was warning about here with Timothy. He's telling them to stay away from false teachers. It's not something new. It's been going on uh, since the church began here in 1 Timothy. In, in, in just six chapters in 1 Timothy, Paul has mentioned this five times. Warned about it. He, in the, the third verse, he, he, he mentions false teaching. 
He says, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went to Macedonia, thou mightest charge some not to teach another doctrine. Third verse in this, right after the greeting, he says, watch out for false teaching. It's a big deal. Acts 20, when he left Ephesus, he said, they're going to come. They're going to come into your church. They're going to creep in. They're going to try to take over. They're going to lure people away. And you need to be on guard. So now Timothy, here in this church, is going toe-to-toe with it. He's got a false teacher problem. He's got an infestation in the church. He's got an outbreak of false teaching. And his people are being drawn away. They're being pulled by the popularity of these teachers. And Timothy feels that influence. The people are feeling that pull. Which I think some of you may do feel that as well. You're feeling the pull of something more popular. Something that's getting more applause. Something that, that is tickling your ears. You, you feel that. So as he's feeling that, Paul tells Timothy very clearly at the end of verse 5, stay away from it. It's a big deal. You can't ignore it. You can't let it go. It's so dangerous that you must stay away from it. Don't go anywhere near it. It's not harmless. It's destructive. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. I want to look at these verses. And I know what's in your mind. You say, what do we stay away from? How do we know something is false or someone is teaching false? How do we know, Josh, that you're not teaching false? What do we stay away from? What are we on the look for? So I'm going to give you that. I want to work our way through these verses. And we're going to make application. And I'm going to maybe even call out some well-known false teachers and just say, stay away from this guy or, or this girl. Well, we're going to look at it, and, and, and I've got you three points, three stay away froms. And we're going to start with number one, stay away from teachers with a different message. Stay away from teachers with a, a different message. He says that at the end of verse two, and, and I want to show you what he's saying here. At the end of verse two, he says, these things teach and exhort. So that's a command. He's telling you, teach and exhort, and we really don't know what these things are. Timothy, I want you to teach and preach these things. So I had to figure out, what, what's he telling him to teach? Because that's what I need to teach. If he's telling Timothy, teach these things, then I need to teach these things. So what are these things? So I, is, is it verse 1 and 2? Yeah, sure, when he says to, to be good Christian employees. Yeah, but I think it's more than that. I, I think he's saying, in teach these things, he's teaching, saying, teach all of 1 Timothy. I want you to teach everything that I've been telling you. And I can, I can prove that. I want you to go just a, a page over. 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. I took a purple ink pen and just went through 1 Timothy finding these things. Verse 6, it says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, what I've just taught you. In verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, These things command and teach what I just told you. In verse 15, he says, meditate upon these things, what I've just told you. So he's, he'll teach something and then say, teach that, these things I just told you. And then in chapter 5, verse 7, he says, and these things give in charge that they may be blameless. And then in, in, in verse 21 of chapter 5, he says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things. And then again in, in verse 2, these things teach and exhort. He's saying it almost everywhere he goes. He teaches something and then commands Timothy, teach that to your people. That's a command. Teach and preach to them what I just gave you. He said that over and over and over. It's what Paul's been teaching in 1 Timothy. And in 1 Timothy is covered a lot. I mean, if we go back and I, if we went back from chapter 1 all the way to, to now, it's loaded. 
full of things that, that, that he's telling him to teach. Whether it be the qualifications of elders and of, of deacons, of women not being, being able to be, to be preachers and that they need to keep in silence and be in all subjection. Praying for your governmental leaders, the, the, the gospel there at the end of chapter one, the law and the gospel in chapter one. Paul's warnings there in chapter four, over and over and over, he's giving us all kinds of things to teach. So he says, you teach these things. You preach these things. You open up this letter and you, you, you let it rip. And then he says in verse 3, but if any man teaches otherwise, you see that? I want you to teach First Timothy. I want you to teach what I'm writing you. But if there's somebody who teaches different, if there's somebody who teaches the opposite, if there's somebody who teaches otherwise, if there's somebody who doesn't stay with what I've been saying, that they don't, and we could go, if they don't, it says consent to wholesome words, if they don't line up with what I've been saying, if they're not near to the truth, if they don't agree with what I've been saying, then they're false teachers. Teach and preach these things. And anybody who does the opposite you avoid. In the garden, you had Adam and Eve. And when the Satan come up and started to lure Eve away, he told her something that didn't line up with what God had said. And she was lured away, attracted away to the opposite of what God said and ate of the fruit. She was lured away into false teaching. And all kinds of people are being lured away from the standard of the truth of what God's given us. This goes beyond just 1 Timothy. If there's anything that doesn't line up with what the Bible teaches, it is false teaching. If it's not wholesome words, it says here. Healthy, sound teaching. Or, it says the words of Christ. So I think that goes even beyond 1 Timothy. I think he's saying, if they don't line up with what I've been telling you here, it's false teaching. If they don't line up with healthy doctrine, it's false teaching. If they don't line up with wholesome words, it's false teaching. If they don't line up with the words of what Christ said, it's false teaching. He's making it very clear. Anything the opposite of what I've been telling you is false teaching. If it's not sound and healthy, then it's unhealthy. If it doesn't line up with the truth, if it's not right on with Christ, you must avoid it. And we gotta, we gotta draw a line in the sand somewhere as a church. You have to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to, to go away from sound teaching. I'm not going to go away from wholesome teaching. I'm not going to go away from the words of Christ. I will not be swayed. I will not be lured. I will not be drawn away by some false teaching. And the more we know the true teaching, the more we'll be able to tell what's false. So he's saying, if, again, if any man teach otherwise and consent not, does, doesn't agree with wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, then stay away from them. I listen to sermons that don't line up. I read Facebook posts that don't line up. We need to be very careful that we are not being lured away in any shape, form, or fashion from the words of truth. The more we know 
the more we can tell. We live in an anti-theology, anti-doctrine age where we we don't want to be taught anything. But the more you're taught what the Bible says, the more you'll know when something's false. We need to spend a lot of time knowing the words of Christ, the wholesome sound doctrine, and what Paul is telling in 1 Timothy. The more we know this, the more we'll be able to stay away from the false. There's a lot that don't line up. So how else can we know? Let's move on. So it says if it doesn't line up, how can you know if it don't line up? Because it says there, if any man teach otherwise, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. I like that. End of verse 3. The doctrine doesn't produce godliness. This is, this is a, some, another way that you can tell whether something's true or false. By what it produces. He says that if they don't, if they teach otherwise, and they consent not to wholesome, sound words, healthy words, even the words of Christ, and their doctrine does not produce godliness. It's a very simple truth. You can know a teaching and a teacher by their fruits, by what it produces. Good doctrine, you need to get this, good doctrine, which is the sound, healthy, wholesome words of Christ, will produce godly lives. Godly teaching will produce godly lives. Godly teaching will make you more godly. Godly teaching will make you more like living in according to God's standard. That's the fruit of good teaching. It is a good life. It'll make godly churches. It'll build godly families. It'll build godly communities. See what it's producing. Not just does it line up, but what does it produce? What's the fruit of the ministry? If a a man is preaching the pure, wholesome, healthy words of Christ, then it will produce godly living. Look at the people and look at him. You will make what you are. And the opposite is also true. If it's false teaching, it will produce ungodly living. That's, that's, that's the end of verse 3. It won't produce godliness. It'll produce bad living if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. What we believe will always affect how we behave. So you see, even at the end of verse 4, what some of that is producing Whereof comes envy and strife and railings and evil and surmisings. False teaching will be like a bomb going off in your church that will just blow up the lives of the people and the church. And it will produce nothing but ungodliness. And I'm going to call some things out. Because there's some false teaching that is, even music that's going on in our churches today, that is producing ungodliness. And of such we must stay away from. You have the social justice movement that's going on in America today that's creeping its way into churches. And it's not only just destroying our culture and our society, but it is destroying churches as it creeps into the churches. It's an ungodly movement and it's producing ungodly lives. The critical race theory that's creeping itself into the churches today is producing ungodly people. It's producing ungodliness in the churches. It'll ruin your church, destroy your church, and that's what Satan's trying to do. Liberalism destroys everything it touches. 
Worldly philosophies destroys everything that it touches. And if it creeps into the church, it will destroy the church and produce ungodly lives. You see that even with the music that's been going on in churches for the past uh, decade. There's a group of Bethel music. And I, I, you know, get this, Bethel, Hillsong, Jesus Culture, all these things, you look at them and they're singing these songs and everybody's eating it up and they're singing it from the, the stage in churches and everybody's just, just loving it and you look at what they believe in. And I know, I've always known, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. What they believe in and what they say, it's beautiful music and, and, and they're singing it so well. But the lyrics are wrong and their doctrine's wrong. It's false. It's otherwise. What it says here, they teaching otherwise. And it goes and it goes and it goes. And it's just recently that we see the people that are singing those songs are as ungodly as they possibly can be. All those groups are just falling apart because of the ungodly lives of the singers and of the preachers. We're starting to see the fruit, which is the root of bad doctrine, falling to pieces. Again, what we believe will always affect how we behave. If it's godless, it'll produce an ungodly life. So stay away from it. So that's what he's saying there in point number one, is that we need to stay away from anyone who teaches anything different than the sound, healthy, wholesome words of Christ. Stay away from it. Avoid it like the plague. Number two, stay away from teachers who are full of themselves. (laughs) Stay away from big-headed preachers. I mean, that's what it says. I mean, look at it, verse 4. He is proud. You see that? He's proud. I mean, this is the character of the, of the preacher. False teachers are always proud. You never see a humble false teacher. They always think that they know better than God and His Word and everybody else. False teachers have the biggest heads. So it says they're proud, not humble. They don't submit themselves to God and to His Word. They're full of themselves or herself. (laughs) Nothing more prideful than to think you know more than God does. I say that about women preachers. There's nothing more prideful than a woman preacher. That ain't popular to say. But she thinks she knows more than God does. God says, chapter 3, chapter 2, women are to stay silent in the church. No preaching. No leading. For a woman to stand up and to preach, there's nothing more prideful in all the world. I know better than God does. Got quiet in here. But it says, look look at this, verse 4, he is proud. You could say she is proud. That word, if you you look it up, it means he's puffed up. This is is what it means. Full of hot air. He has a lot to say. (laughs) He uses... 50 pound words that nobody knows what they mean. He, he, he loves to, to argue. You can go down through here. Look what it says. He's proud. And we all know this type. He's proud. He dotes about. I like that word dote. He, he, he eats it up. That's what the word dote there means. He eats up questions. He eats up strifes with words. Arguments over words. He loves it. He's always, he, he thinks he can win every argument. He, he's always wanting to have some kind of controversy and, and word battles. I mean, his favorite game is Bible trivia because I'm going to, I want to get you. <laughs> he, he loves it. He, he eats it up. Always has questions and, and never any answers. 
He'll stand up and say things like, does the Bible really say? Does that not sound like Satan? I heard Andy Stanley say that the other day. Do, do we really need the Old Testament? Stay as far away from Andy Stanley as you possibly can. You say, but I like him. He doesn't line up with sound teaching. When he says something like, we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, I say we need to unhitch ourselves from Andy Stanley. He'll say things like, is Adam and Eve, were they real or were they fictional? Does it really matter? Say things like, is seven day creation? Can we really believe that? Did Moses really write the first five books of the Old Testament? Did Jesus really say? Was he really risen again? Does any of it really matter? Is the Bible really God's word? And they're sitting and bring up all these, he loves the controversy of questions. And it's all about the big head. That people's going to think I'm really smart. He's a know-it-all. <laughs> you know, you guys know any know-it-alls? I hope you don't point at me. You know what I know? I know how little I know. And I know where to find what I need to know. It's not up here, it's in here. These types don't want to listen to sermons, don't want to listen to preaching. They don't need it. They don't want to teaching the teachers or to be taught. They're unteachable. They refuse to listen because they're talking all the time. It's a, a know-it-all. And the one thing that a know-it-all doesn't know is that they don't know it all. And what Paul says here is, that it's not even that they don't know it all. It's that they don't know anything at all. <laughs> Look what it says. It's almost like Paul is, is calling them out. He's proud, puffed up, full of hot air, likes to hear himself talk, likes to gather a crowd to him and not to Jesus. And he's an ignoramus. <laughs> he's ignorant. He's, the, the word would actually mean stupid. That's not a good word to say. But look at it. He says he's a, he knows nothing. Proud and knows nothing. He's a puffed up ignorant. Says he's proud and knows nothing. What he gets up and says is of no use to anybody. What he gets up and says is nonsense. What he gets up and says is meaningless. What he gets up and says is worthless. What he gets up and says is irrelevant. What he gets up and says doesn't help anybody. What he gets up and says doesn't lead anybody any closer to getting to heaven. What he gets up and says doesn't make anybody more godly. What he gets up and says is just a bunch of ignorant nonsense. I've heard sermons like that. I've had conversations with people that are some of the most senseless, meaningless things that you could ever talk about. And you're thinking, what, what does that have anything to do with anything at all? And they're sitting there all puffed up like, did you know that? <laughs> I didn't know that and I don't need to know that. You puffed up ignorant person. <laughs> they have a twisted interest in things that don't even matter. I've heard some of the most meaningless sermons that you could ever hear. You know why they're meaningless? I say these things, they're meaningless, worthless, nonsense, irrelevant, unhelpful, twisted, and don't matter, and doesn't help, doesn't get anybody any closer to heaven, or any more godly. You know how I can say that? Because what they're saying isn't coming out of the Word of God. I said, that was where we started. It's all coming from, and we'll see where it comes from here in a second, it's not coming from here. Everything that comes from here 
is beneficial. Everything that comes from here, even I talked last week about employees and employers, and you're sitting there thinking, really? Did that not help you on Monday morning? Was that not edifying to you? Everything that comes out of here is edifying. It's going to build you up. It's going to make you more godly. It's going to lead you to be like Christ. It's going to be meaningful and and full of worth. It's going to be relevant and helpful and important and you need it. That's why every sermon I think is, is the most important thing you'll ever hear. Because it comes from here. But what they say isn't coming from here. It's coming from someplace else. Although you say, well, they'll have a Bible. Yeah. And they'll twist and turn and do gymnastics all around the verse trying to come up with some kind of meaning out of that that has no meaning whatsoever from what the Bible says. Just trying to make themselves look better. Sounds smart. You say, where does what they have come from? Watch this. What we say is edifying and builds up and it's good for us because it's healthy and comes out of the Word of God. What they bring, look where it comes from. It says he's proud and knows nothing, but he's doting about with questions and strifes of words. And then it says in verse 5, it's, it's perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds who are destitute of the truth. <laughs> you say, what does that mean? It means it comes from their own depraved mind. You don't want me to come up with anything to preach to you. Everything I say must come out of this book. And everything they say, a false teacher, comes out of their own depraved mind. Everything we say, and I want to repeat that, everything we say comes out of this. I said that last Sunday night. I said, we've got two verses to cover here, and everything that we say will come from these two verses. And I will all the, all, all the time look at you and say, look at this. See this? Here's this word. Here's this verse. Here's what this means. And it's all coming out of just a, a few verses right here so that you can make sure that Josh lines up with the Bible. What they say comes from here. Their own depraved mind. I listen to some people and I say, where did they get that from? They got it out of their own mind. They're coming up with it at the house somewhere. It's not from God. It's not divine revelation. It's human invention. That's a good way to describe false teachers. They're not giving you divine revelation. They're giving you human invention. You wonder where a lot of this stuff comes from? It comes from a depraved mind. It says they're destitute of the truth. They don't have the truth. They don't have it. It's nowhere to be found. Destitute means that they are completely without. Everything that they say comes from their own mind. You can't keep up with them. I I think the way that, that we teach is not the only way to teach, but I think it's the best way. Because you can make sure everything I say lines up right here. But when somebody's just just ranting and raving and and it's their own lunacy coming out of their own depraved mind, you have no idea where it's coming from and you can't really keep up with what they're saying. And again, it says here that when you've got somebody like that, proud, knowing nothing, perverse disputings of men with corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, that it's going to produce, and it's the same thing. Bad doctrine produces bad behavior. Look what it produces here. It produces, wherefore cometh, I've I've circled that, wherefore cometh, this is is the fruit of it. It'll produce envy, 
and strife and railings and evil surmisings. It'll produce in your church discord and destruction. Where your church won't get along. You know why a church can't get along when they're under false teaching? Because you can't have unity under something that's false. True unity only comes when everybody lines up with the truth. So false is going to create disunity. Discord, fighting, evil surmisings where you can't get along and you all the time uh, worry about what somebody else is doing and you're slandering and you're jealous and you have abusive language and it's just, just, it's, it's tearing the church apart and it's tearing marriages apart and it's tearing lives apart. That's what false teaching will do. There's no healthy church that has a false teacher as a pastor. It doesn't produce godliness, it produces godlessness. Let me give you a quote and I'll move on. And this comes straight (laughs) from a preacher on Facebook. I saw it yesterday. I'm not going to give you any names, he's local. And he said, and this got likes upon likes upon likes upon likes upon comments. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, it's so wonderful. I'm one of the, whatever. He said, each and every step you take in faith is a momentous occasion that brings the momentum for your miracle. I bet you I read that 20 times. And I said, that's, I don't even know what that means. Let me say it again. You, maybe you guys get it. Maybe I didn't get an amen out of it. Each and every step you take in faith is a momentous occasion that brings momentum for your miracle. I said, huh? Well, what does that mean? Where does that come from? Is that, is that a verse? Is that interpretation of a verse? What is that? Everybody like, love, like, love, share, comment, awesome, wonderful. I said, huh? You dumb, dumb. You pompous ignoramus. I didn't comment that. It's just a proof positive of what I'm saying. What is that? Makes no sense. Helps nobody. But boy, does it sound pretty good. (laughs) And everybody's just like, yeah, yeah. Miracle, yeah. Momentum, yeah. God's my cheerleader. He's making my dreams come true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nowhere in the Bible. And people just eat eat it up. Stay away from that nonsense. Stay away from that stuff. There's preachers today, teachers today, and I'll do this, preachers today, teachers today who want to cheer you on to fulfill your dreams like God's in heaven with pom-poms just trying to, to get you to do what He wants you to do. Come on, you can do it. And they never mention a suffering Savior. They never mention picking up your cross and carrying it. How in the world can you ask a people to follow a Christ who suffers and all you tell them to do is follow their dreams? It's just a bunch of pompous ignoramuses. (laughs) And I'll tell you, stay as far away from them as possible. I'm going to post a list on Facebook tomorrow. A long list of all the false teachers that you need to stay away from. I ain't got time tonight to give you all of them alphabetically put in order. Stay away from these types of people.
Number three, and we'll close. It says, stay away from those who preach a different message. Stay away from those who are big-headed. Stay away from those, you guys know the type, who are in it for the money. This seems to be the thread that, that follows every false teacher. They're all about a dollar. Look what it says. And see, 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 I just want you to see this. Every time we move to another point, I'll say, look what it says. It says it right here. You see that? I mean, I've, got, I've got my PowerPoint finger and I'm just pointing right here at what it says. They say that I was taught in seminary that you need to keep one finger on your Bible and another finger pointing at the chest of the people in the pews. That's the only PowerPoint we need. <laughs> So look look with me at what it says. You see this? I'm not making this up from my own mind. I'm bringing you out from what the Scripture says. It says at the end of verse 5, they suppose, they guess, they think, this is what, what, what they're in it for, that godliness is gain. That all this godly stuff is a means of getting something. They think that preaching is a career and not a calling. I read a book this, this week about culture at this time. And there wasn't many actors and entertainers and movies and social media and all these things grabbing our attention. So the most famous career that you could have at this time was being a great speaker. The better the speaker, the more money you made. Everybody wanted to gather in the streets and hear, hear speakers. And you get up and speak, and it was oratory. You could get up, and the ones who had, had the best voice and who could keep everybody's attention, and they'd sit and listen to somebody speak like we'd watch a movie. And boy, some of these guys started finding an audience in the church. These great speakers thought, okay, if I can be out in the streets and they're paying me money, then I can go into the church, and this godliness thing could bring me all kinds of money. So these great speakers had the great voices and could keep everybody's attention and make people laugh and had great stories and illustrations. They'd go into the church and start using godliness for their own gain. And I read that this week. And I thought, ain't nothing changed. These guys still think they can come into the church and take godliness and make it into their own gain. They've got a good voice. They've got a good look. They're funny. Entertaining, Spurgeon would say they're entertaining the goats. Making them laugh, filling the pews, getting people to show up. They'll preach for just a, a few minutes, they'll say a verse, motivate, get you to follow your dream, fill the pews so they can fill their pockets, and everybody's just eating it up because they're so easy to listen to. Not like me. <laughs> I can be hard to listen to. That's what Steph says. These guys were just, just so great, so wonderful. And wouldn't you know it that the false teachers of our day are the ones that's the easiest to listen to? And they're doing it for gain, it says. There's that word, I would circle that gain. Preaching isn't a calling to them, it's a career to them. They're in it for what they can get, not what they can give. Let me say that again. Don't you dare listen to a man who's in it for what he can get and not what he can give. Let me read to you verses 17 and 18 of chapter 5. When it talked about paying the pastors. 
says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And the laborer, there's this twice that uses the same word. Laborer in verse 18 and labor in verse 17. And I said when I preached that sermon that it's the job of the pastor. He's called to pour his life out for the church. He gives himself completely and totally. He he is all in on this. Not for what he can get, but for what he can give. This is the exact opposite. These teachers are, what can I get out of this? I'm not pouring myself into this. I'm pouring more into me. Only in it for what they get. To make a good living. To make some easy money. I actually saw a pastor quote this week that said, I'm not in it for the pie in the sky. I'm in it for the cash in the stash. From from an actual pastor. He's telling you right out. Stay away from that guy. I mean, for somebody to say that, I'm not about heaven, I'm about, I'm about the dollar. Not pie in the sky, but cash in the stash. Shows a wrong heart. It shows wrong motivation. They're not in it for godliness. They're in it for gain. Godliness is the key to First Timothy. I, I, I wrote it down at the very first chapter that godliness, over eight times in First Timothy, he talks about godliness. It's one of the keys to the entire book that Paul wants Timothy to, to make the church godly. That's the goal. That should be the goal of a pastor is, is a godlier people. That the, the, what we teach makes you godly. We want you to be more like Christ. And they're not in it to make people godly. They're in it for their own gain. They hope to get rich off the gospel. They want to grow a church so they can grow their wallet. This is a thread through every single false teacher from Judas who wanted the money to our modern day preachers today. It's a love of money. And we'll move on to that, probably not next Sunday. But it says in verse 6, but godliness. See that? That's that same word again. Godliness with contentment is the real gain. That's what you get. The greatest gain you can get is godliness, not money. And we'll go all about it. He says at verse 10 there, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows because they've been chasing a dollar. That's their motivation. Gain, not godliness. And I'll say this before we close. That's something I have to keep a constant check on. To make sure that I'm not in it for a paycheck. I've been accused of that multiple times. You would quit in a heartbeat if the church quit paying you. And I have to go back to my early days when I started. And I didn't get a dime. And I have to go back to the days where I, when I was in Appomattox. And I was going to seminary. And I walked into an office. And I said, any church in this county or the surrounding counties that needs a pastor to preach on a Sunday because they're sick. Because they're out of town. Because they don't have anybody. You call me. I don't care if it's an hour before the service. And I'll preach. And you, I never ask for a dime. I remember going to a church the Sunday before Christmas. They called me. They said, we need somebody to preach. Our pastor's out of town. We need somebody. I said, I'm there, man. Me, I got Steph and two kids, put them in the car. And 
We went an hour out of the way. We were passing horse and buggies as we were going to this church. I'm not even kidding you. It was Amish country. We, we thought it was the greatest thing we'd ever seen. Pull up this church, go in there, and they had a, they, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but they, they had a flower assortment on, on their, on, and, and on their table in front of their pulpit that was so high that I had to get on my tiptoes just to see over it. I was trying to preach to them like this, you know, I couldn't get my PowerPoint going. I was PowerPointing like this. I was going to school, didn't have a job. Steph didn't have a job. We were making it barely on the money that I made from preaching on the weekends. Never asked for a dime. I walked out of that church. Steph said, did they pay you anything today? I said, not a dime. And they said, will you come back next week? I said, I'm there. Preaching around that flower again. That week I said, can we move that to the side? I think Amanda went with us one time to that church. Steph didn't even go in. She had two crying babies sitting on the front steps. I go back to those days. I said, I did it for free then. Came here. Sit with the deacons and the trustees in that office and never once asked them for a dime. Never once said, what are you going to pay me? I have to check my heart. That's me just checking. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm not patting myself on the back. I have to check myself and make sure I'm not doing it for money. I like to think that if you told me today, Josh, we can't pay you anymore, I'd find me a job and I'd be right here preaching the next Sunday. Amen. It ain't about money. It's about godliness, not gain. Sermons might not be as good if I didn't have as much time to put into them, but right here we'd be. It's not about gain. It's about godliness. Let me give you a quote. It was said of John Calvin... By the Pope. <laughs> and the Pope and John Calvin did not get along at those in, in the 1500s. Here's what the Pope said about John Calvin. His name's actually said Jean Calvin. I'm good with that one. The Pope said the strength of that heretic <laughs> was that money was nothing to him. We couldn't get him to sell out. Nothing we could do to him. Money was nothing to John Calvin. The only thing that he cared, he cared about was the truth. And there is so much freedom when all you care about is what the Word of God says. Just preach it. Just teach it. These things. And if you do that, you don't have to worry about trying to change your message to please the people so they'll pay you more. The strength of that heretic was that money was nothing to him. So freeing to be free from the love of money. So stay away from any man, any teacher who's in it for the money. So how do we apply this? It's simple at the end of verse 5, and I'll close with that. From such turn away. Some, from such, withdraw thyself. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. That's the, the main thrust of the sermon is stay away from false teachers. From such, withdraw yourself. All that he said in these three verses, you stay away from these types of people. Test everything that you hear by the standard of the Word of God. And if they don't line up, you stay away from them. That's as simple as it can get. 
Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you read. Be careful who you let your yourself listen to. Be careful who you let your kids listen to. I, I, I know there's a lot of bad things in the culture today, and, and they're saying, "Oh, we need to boycott Disney because they're trying to influence our kids." And I get that. We need to boycott, you know, Hollywood. I think we need to boycott false teachers. Don't you dare let your kids listen to anybody who doesn't line up with the Word of God. If there's anything good that we need to cancel in this cancel culture, it's false teachers. Don't let your wife read them or listen to them. Don't you read them or listen to them. And don't you dare let it in your church. Stay away from false teachers. They're destroying lives and damning souls. And also, the last thing, we need to stick with the Scriptures. I think we need to make a commitment. You guys know my commitment is to what the Bible says. And we need to be tireless in our study of what it says so that we can know the difference between true and false. It's not that we need to study everything false. It's that we need more time in doctrine and theology and and verse-by-verse study of, of the Word of God. And the more we know this, the better we'll be able to stay away from the false. We need to be courageous with it because it won't always be popular and it won't always be liked. We might not be the most popular church in town. I asked somebody that this week. I said, if, if, I said, if they did that contest and they did churches, who do you think would win? What church in this area would win? And the guy looked back at me and he said, well, I guarantee it wouldn't be our church. I said, thanks, you know. And he said, I mean that in a good way. You know, if you preach the truth, you won't always be popular. Sermons like this ain't going to be popular. How many sermons, how many many false teachers you hear talking about false teachers? (laughs) How many false churches do you see preaching through 1 Timothy? You don't. Call up a church, call up a pastor and say, hey, when's the last time you went through 1 Timothy with your church? (laughs) They won't. So we need to make a commitment to be courageous with the Word of God. To be dogmatic. To be drawing lines. One more quote and I'll close. We need a return to dogmatism. That means we need need to be like a bulldog. We need to be someone who grabs a hold like a bulldog does and won't let go. We need to return to dogmatism. A dogmatism that smiles... While it stands stubborn on the Word of God. Firm on the Word of God. That's what we need. And I just want to sink my teeth into the Word of God and say, here we stand with a big smile on my face and we're not going to move. 2 Timothy 4, and I'm done. You guys are dumb false teachers tonight too, I know. One of my favorite passages. I'm going to preach through 2 Timothy starting in around September. So we'll be, in, we'll be in 2 Timothy 4 around the next September, 2023. <laughs> it says, I charge thee. Again, Paul to Timothy. Therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. When people want it and when they don't. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Wholesome words of Christ. Same thing. 
But after their own lusts, will they heap to themselves teachers that'll scratch their ears, that'll tell them what they want to hear. Sounds good. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they'll be turned to fables. But Timothy, you watch in all things. You endure afflictions. You do the work of an evangelist. You do, you make full proof of your ministry. Timothy, you stick to preaching the word of God. And that's what we do here. Just keep week in, week out, service in, service out, opening up the Bible and preaching the inerrant, inspired, infallible, sufficient, powerful, authoritative word of God. And we stay away from everything else. So I tell you tonight, what we started with and what we'll end with, stay away from false teachers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that you've given us something to line our lives up with and to line our teaching up with. And forgive us, Father, for ignoring it. Forgive us, Father, for not knowing it. Help us, God, to study it more in depth. Help us to be more closely lined up with it. Help us to... Use it as the, the guide from, for everything we listen to and everything that we hear. Everything that, that comes across our eyes and our ears. Help us to make sure it lines up with what your word says. This is serious. I know there's not a lot of people who call out false teachers, preach sermons on this. Uh, there's, there's some that would look at me and say, oh, you're just being petty and being mean and, and, and you're, you just need to let it go. It's not that bad. They're good people. They're trying their best. That's not what your word says. What they're saying doesn't line up with scripture. So God, we know that your word says it's serious. It should be called out. It should be named. It should be a warning against it. We shouldn't have anything to do with it. Because it damns souls and it shuts the door of heaven. So God, I pray that you'd use this. If not for everybody, but I pray that there'd be one in here. Or someone who'd listen later on who'd say, you know what, I need to be more careful about what I listen to. I need to warn my family. I need to warn my friends who are going to a church full of this stuff. I, I need to, to, to let people know how dangerous this is. And God, help me and help us as a church to always be faithful to preach the Word of God. The wholesome words of Christ that will build that will encourage, that will edify, that will grow, that will make us holy, that will make us godly. God, please let us, help us to stick to your word. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.